Welcome to The Jewelry District, a podcast by JCK Magazine and JCK Online. Today, JCK's Rob Bates and Victoria Gamalski talk with Sherry Smith, Director of Business Development for the Edge Retail Academy. Sherry shares useful tips and guidance for jewelry retailers during the COVID-19 crisis. Hi everyone, this is Victoria Gamelski, Editor-in-Chief of JCK and jckonline.com. I'm calling in today from my home office in Los Angeles, and I'm with... Rob Bates, News Director of JCK and JCK Online, and I'm usually in the studio for these, but today I'm at my home office, which is otherwise known as my bedroom in New York City. (laughs) And we have as our guest from Canton, Massachusetts, Shari Smith, the Director of Business Development for the Edge Retail Academy, who's going to talk about what jewelers can do in this age of coronavirus, where so many people are closed and having financial difficulties and wondering what to do now. So welcome. Yeah, welcome, Thank Sherry. You. We're thrilled to have you. I really wish these were better circumstances. We'd love to talk to you. You know, in normal times, obviously, this is Uh, a much different scenario. So thank you for squeezing us in. I understand you've had a lot of calls today and probably over the last few weeks. Yes, yes, it's been very busy. Lots of calls from retailers and vendors alike. And I'll look forward to when we all get on the other side of this and we can meet again and discuss things in happier terms. (laughs) Amen, amen. Well, tell us before, you know, as we kick off, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to The Edge and then also what it is that The Edge Retail Academy does for retailers specifically. Sure. I was an owner operator of a jewelry retail, actually two stores for approximately 20 years, both in the great heyday times as well as the more challenging recession times. So had a good skill set, learned a lot in both the good times and the bad times. You know, again, we built up a successful retail establishment and then I got engaged, met someone in the industry, relocated and had to decide what I was going to do when I grew up. And someone connected me to a few of the people at the edge and the edge is a software company and the president of the Edge Retail Academy. And we had a few conversations and we decided it was a good fit to work with other retailers, you know, using the same skill set that I had used for 20 years to build up successful businesses. So the Edge Retail Academy is the sister company to the Edge, is the software and inventory management system. And the Edge Retail Academy started out as a mentoring company where we help retailers improve their business, their profitability. We work on people, position, and product and retirement readiness plans with them. In that process, we started to also aggregate data to look at more industry-wide stats and to identify areas of opportunity. So in that process, we also became the single largest aggregator of the independent retail jeweler. So that's what we do. Currently, we work with approximately 200 retailers on mentoring. And we have a team of advisors and we aggregate from approximately 1,100 retailers. And what have they been telling you in the last couple of weeks, ever since we've dealt with all this with the store closings and, and the virus really coming to the United States? Oh, goodness, a whole gamut. Um, so it's been challenging and it's not been at the same pace amongst all the retailers across the country. So as you are both probably aware, many of them were able to still stay open until their area has mandated closure. 
So it's been really interesting to follow that. Obviously, the more densely populated areas, New York and California, as well as some other, I think, Illinois, they were hit sooner and had mandated closures. So they're, you know, they're a little nervous. People, you know, when you when you're forced to close down your business and suddenly you have no revenue coming in, there can be a panic. And then there's others who it was taking longer. And I think they were trying to convince themselves that it won't hit their area because maybe it was more rural and so forth. But what we're hearing is, you know, there's a nervousness. And it's more so questions. How, what do I do? You know, when are we going to get out of this? What do I do in the interim with my employees or my bills and, and so forth? So it's really run the gamut of those types of questions. And we're just trying to stay aware of all these packages, these relief programs that are out there and trying to help the retailers navigate through this. And they're all different. It's more of a holistic approach. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer for all of our retailers. One of the things that I've been writing a lot about is these small business packages, the Paycheck Protection Program, the SBA, Emergency Assistance Loans. Do you see a lot of people doing those? And are they confused? Like, what kind of advice do you give them when they see so many packages coming at them? And some of them are quite generous, but how do they choose which ones to use? So that's a great question. The first thing I'll address is there's absolutely a lot of confusion out there. And I think, and I'm speculating, but I think part of the problem is the actual stimulus bill is not in front of our CPAs and corporate attorneys yet. And therefore, they're hearing the components, you know, that have been proposed in the bill and then the bill gets passed and there's a lot of interpretations out there. Our first advice is think about your own situation, your financial picture for your business, and what position do you want to be in when we come out of this? Because we know it's not a matter of if we are going to come out of this. We just aren't quite sure when. But it's so important to think about what that looks like for you, right? And do you want cash reserves? Because we don't know if it'll be a slow ramp up, if there will be revenge shopping, which we all would love and hope for, right? That we've all been cooped up and dying to go spend money. So that really is different for every single retailer. In my own businesses, I always ran any of these types of scenarios across my corporate attorney and my CPA because their job and their role is to understand the legalities that are tied to these things. So we do encourage people to do that. The most similar experience I had had when I had my stores was 9-11. You know, a business did shut down for us temporarily because my stores were outside of the D.C. area by about 20 minutes. And that whole tri-state area, people were very afraid. You know, they weren't sure if there were going to be more attacks or, you know, what was going to happen. So people stayed in. They didn't go shopping for about a four to six week period. And so we had to be really proactive. And that's one of the things we're telling the retailers is look at your situation. Be proactive. Don't wait. What we do know is mortgage companies are deferring payment. Credit card companies are deferring payments. So they do have to look at their situation and then do their due diligence. They themselves have to take on researching these packages. And I think that frightens some of our retailers a little bit because some of these things are subject to interpretation. Like I'll just give you an example. I saw the other day someone saying, well, no, if you lay off your employees, you're ineligible for loan forgiveness. But that's not true. That's not. You just have to rehire them. Yeah, that's right. And if you rehire them by the certain date, you know, then you are eligible again for loan forgiveness and almost 100% of it. But even that, you have to read the details because 100% of those employee wages doesn't cover payroll taxes. So there will be a little you will have to absorb as well. But it's that kind of information. I think some of it is, you know, the average person doesn't know, what do I look at? Do I look at the 
SBA page? Do I call my bank? You know, where do I go? And again, it comes down to if you have a CPA and a corporate attorney, utilize them. This is exactly the kind of thing you pay them for. Um, and then just spend a few minutes, dedicate your time. You're not open for business, so you have the time. Read up on these packages so that you're familiar and you can see what parts apply to you. The other part of the question that you asked, what should they do when it comes to their employees? Again, I believe you have to take a very holistic approach. Not all retailers are in the same boat. Some will absolutely be able to offer paid leave, you know, but for a certain time, how sustainable is that and what impact will that have to their savings and what position? will that put them in when we do come out of this? Because again, what we don't know is, is it going to be four weeks? Is it going to be two months? We just don't know. And then versus unemployment, I have some retailers who are in rural areas out in the Midwest and they've indicated to me it actually benefits their employees to put them on unemployment because they're going to make out a little better than if they stayed on paid leave, which then doesn't put that retailer in a vulnerable position by depleting their cash reserves. Thanks, Sherry. That's all really Solid, great advice. Um, if you're talking to a panicked retailer, somebody who's called you and just has no idea what to do first, because I think there's just this overwhelming desire to act or you know be proactive about taking care of business. What would you say? What are the what are the top three things they might do today, tomorrow, this week? Okay, so they call up panicked. That usually indicates to me they're worried about cash flow, right? That's already going to impact them. The minute they have to close or have been closed and there's no revenue coming in, that lets me know they have to be super proactive. My first advice to them would be make the list of the people you need to call today, your mortgage or your landlord, right? So if you own the building, you're going to call your mortgage company. If you're renting, you're going to call your landlord, your credit card, business credit card companies. You're going to call them immediately. Be proactive with your vendors. Call them. They know the situation. This is a pandemic. Everybody knows what we're dealing with. So call them immediately. That's the first thing because the relief to somebody to find out, and, and again, another example, I had a retailer, she called her mortgage company and they said, don't worry, we're just going to take those three payments and we're going to tack them on to the end. So you don't even have to worry about playing catch up once we do open and get on the other side. For her, that was a 10,000 monthly payment. So $30,000 removed, tacked on to the end, no extra, you know, there's no penalty, no consequences for doing that. But imagine the relief she felt immediately, not having to stress over an approximate $30,000 that she would owe to one company. So people who are panicked and they know it's typically tied to their cash flow or what they have outstanding, that's the thing they need to do. Make your list, get on the phone and be proactive. Yeah, absolutely. I know you've said talking to employees is it really depends on case by case scenario. Have you, I mean, what have you heard? Are most people sort of sending their employees home and saying, call us in two months and we'll revisit your employment? I mean, what is the sense you're getting about how people are handling this? Yeah, so there are some who actually have them on paid leave. Those, I would say, in all fairness, are the minority. But what we've encouraged retailers to do, and in any communication we've put out there, is have transparent conversations. I encourage transparent conversations and ongoing communication. That is so important and so critical during times like this. Let them know what your plan is. If it's a temporary layoff, if it's a furlough, et cetera, let them know and let them know you'll be checking in with them and communicating. Set the expectations. Let them know how you're going to be communicating to them and keep them aware. Because the reality is if you lay them off and even if you furlough them, they have the right to seek other employment. But if you plan on keeping your people and it's top talent and you want them, 
I think the more you communicate to them, the better. But to answer your other part of that question, the vast majority are laying them off temporarily so that they can collect unemployment benefits. Do you think some of them will be trying to go for this paycheck protection program so maybe that they can hire them back and get part of those wage expenses refunded? I think some will. I mean, I've had conversations just today and, you know, I sort of advised him that he should look at that. And I'm very cautious when I advise that because I do want retailers to understand you have to apply for the loan forgiveness. And while we hope, you know, that the intent is you will receive forgiveness on mortgage utilities and payroll wages, anytime I see the word apply, apply, <laughs> suggests that there may be some things that aren't, or there will be parts that will be rejected for whatever reasons. And that's where, again, you need to rely on your corporate attorney and CPA. But the example I'll give you, speaking to a retailer yesterday, smaller retailer operates incredibly efficiently, You know, went into this with the savings, kept few employees on paid leave, is contemplating, You know, I think I might want to open for a couple of days a week just by appointment only, so people could pick up the repair if they have a special occasion coming up. And I said, well, tell me why you're doing that because even that little bit of contact when you're under shutdown suggests you might be putting your people at risk. And he said, well, I can't keep them on paid leave. And in the course of the conversation, you know, he'd gone through half the savings. And I said, well, then don't do that because you have to think about what kind of position you want to be in on the other side when we come out of this. And I don't think you want to be out on the other side with no money in the bank. I just don't think that's a good scenario. So look at your other options. It might be time to put them on temporary layoffs or apply for this loan and then apply for the forgiveness part of it. So in his scenario, that seems like the reasonable thing to do. So a lot of people are, are talking about ways to communicate with customers now that everybody's stuck at home, things like social media, just keeping your name out there. What kind of things do you recommend along those lines? Yeah. So again, another very important component. So some of the things we're recommending is a chat feature on your website. Let your customers know that yes, you're closed. And most customers understand because we're all in the same area being, you know, sort of self-quarantined and also sending a personal email, communicating to let them know, you know, Hey, I'm just checking in on you. I know we're stuck home. We're doing some family things. Just want you to know what I'm thinking about you. I mean, you can divvy up your customer list amongst your sales team. Again, it's all about staying accessible. Just because you're closed doesn't mean you have to be disconnected. So utilize chat, utilize email. I would be careful in utilizing some of these tools to do aggressive sales only because we don't know the situation of our customers and the impact that we're all feeling, whether they've been laid off, whether it's temporary, whether they're on paid leave. So while you can still do some of your marketing, Instagram, swipe up and buy, Facebook, Marketplace, Etsy, or Shopify, customers who want to purchase are going to seek you out anyway. By you having that ongoing, continuing communication will give them the opportunity to reach out to you. JCK has compiled a list of resources to help jewelers cope during the coronavirus crisis. Visit JCK online to see this page, which is updated as the situation develops. And now back to the show. One possible issue I've heard is that if 
jewelers start conducting business out of their homes, that's also a possible security risk because everything we've heard is that you should not take goods home because you don't want possible crooks bothering you at home. How are people navigating that issue? That's a great point. And there's several, not just at home, even going into the store. I have some owners telling me they're going into the store and conducting business. So our advice has been, you need to check with your jeweler's block. What is the criteria and how how specifically are you covered? Do you still have to have a minimum number of people there? Recognizing that most retailers during this closure have put everything in their vaults. So you have to do your due diligence. I will say we are actually probably a little bit at higher security risk. I don't recommend anybody be carrying loads of jewelry home. I mean, I think that's incredibly dangerous. And I'm also worried about some of the retailers who are going into their stores when it's a ghost town. That's a real opportunity for something to happen. I don't know if you saw the article the other day, the man who was killed in Connecticut, the jeweler, 69 years old, and they somebody went in and found him. I just think we're more vulnerable to some of those elements when you're sort of in a deserted area. And if you look, if you've had occasion to drive anywhere, it's crazy what it looks like right now, right? I mean, we're used to seeing people on the streets and and stores open and so forth, but you can drive down Main Street right now and see lights off. I think you have to be extremely cautious. And I would certainly check with my jeweler's block before I took any course of action. Yeah, we saw that terrible story about the Connecticut jeweler and yeah, extreme caution. Um, Back to your point about messaging and obviously not really going hard or aggressively about selling. Have you seen any good examples on social media, on people's direct marketing campaigns about the right tone? Or, you know, can you talk a little bit about either specific examples you've seen or just things you think would be a great way to stay connected on social channels, but really being respectful of people's situations? Yeah, I have actually. I have seen great examples of banners, Posted across the website or an email informing their customers, you know, that even though it hasn't been mandated, we've chosen to close and here's why. In the meantime, we want to be accessible and service any of those of you who do have an upcoming occasion, please feel free to private message me or email me directly. So I have seen great examples and I think that's the tone. And again, kind of unique to each retailer. I have some retailers who have no or very little online presence. And it will be much harder for them because this is not the time you're going to be in customer acquisition mode. It's almost about staying connected to your existing customers and potentially servicing them. So I would say that the emails have been the best examples of what I've seen and some of the banners on the website. But for those retailers who do have a strong online presence and they're still posting, you know, fun things for Instagram, that's not going to be an issue because again, they have a following. They're used to seeing them post items with products that you can get information on and swipe up and buy. I just think you would want to be a little concerned about sending an email blast out to your entire customer base with specially marked product where normally we would recommend retailers do a little bit more of that. I'm not sure this is the appropriate time and you'd have to be careful. That's just our opinion, obviously, but I think we do need to be aware that our customers, we don't know which ones are laid off. We don't know which ones have paid leave. We just don't know the impact. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've gotten a few examples of just communications coming into my own inbox where there's no mention of what we're going through. And it's just, uh, hey, did you consider this product? And that also feels tone deaf. So like very weird. Yeah. It does. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's almost off-putting right now, isn't it? Yeah. 
It is. I think, you know, even if you're going about business as usual, even if you're trying to communicate about new things that you've gotten in, I think right up top preface, you know, we, we know what's happening in this world and we're conscious of it and we just want to offer you a little distraction or some escapism. You know, that's, I think, an okay way to frame things. But you have to acknowledge that we're not in any sort of business as usual situation, right? Yeah. And I think some people are nervous to do that. You know, we want to almost ignore it. But the interesting thing about the pandemic is we are all in it. And I know people are sick of hearing we're all in it together. We're not all going to experience the same impact. And I think that's where you have to be really careful when you do a mass communication that is trying to leverage product at this time. I do think getting the messaging right and being proactive and accessible to your customers will prove very well when we come out on the other side. And sometimes I notice some of the messaging is a little, it goes the other way in that it's very formulaic. It's like, we are all, you know, you mentioned that we are all in this yeah. together. Yeah. And sometimes it seems like a little not heartfelt, like they have to kind of put an obligatory thing in about the virus, but it doesn't seem to be that heartfelt. Is there a way to make sure that people are really speaking in an authentic way? I guess, I guess there is no way you just have to be authentic. I was just going to say, Rob, authenticity, right? Um, that does matter. And I would think if you are a retailer that tends to communicate in that way prior to the virus, you probably will be one that continues throughout and on the other side of this. I think when we see retailers getting the messaging wrong, it's probably a little bit of panic and a little bit of, I'm not sure what to say, you know, so, and then it becomes more reactive instead of planned. I think if they took their time and took a step back and thought about it, because I do agree with you in some of the emails we get where it just seems so standardized, right? You know, we're all in this together. We're hand sanitizing. Come on in. And of course, some of us are afraid to go anywhere. You know, I mean, you hear all these cases and there's real fear. I mean, I have elderly parents that I wanted to come for my son's graduation. I'm like, no, I'm not putting you on a plane. And of course, now I don't even know if he'll have a graduation yeah. ceremony. But so this will be a very unique high school graduation wow. for us. But yeah, I, I think it's so important to take your time and to try to be authentic. I couldn't agree with you more. I do think customers are smart enough to pick up on things that are disingenuous. So be careful. Yeah. You know, obviously, the we're going to go through a really, really tough economic time. They're talking about 30% unemployment, something along those lines. Should people start thinking about marking down inventory, doing sales, just trying to get things out the door? Well, I don't think having sales right now <laughs> is going to solve a whole lot of things. I don't know that that's even smart when we come out of this. The reality is right now, people are still doing business. We're getting ready to publish our vibe and I'm having to go through the numbers. And when I look at the month of March, and of course, remember a lot of the mandated closures came in the last seven to 10 days, but there was still business being had throughout the month. I think people will be shocked that 50 or $60 million amongst the 1100 retailers was still done in March is crazy. And the reason I say that is there are still people who do have occasions coming up. There will be people who were planning on getting engaged or their wedding and wedding bands. And that doesn't necessarily just go away because you can't shop. And that's where that accessibility comes in. Just because I'm closed doesn't mean I need to disconnect entirely from my customer base because 
because if I have a VIP and they need something and I'm still a retail owner, I'm going to make that happen in the safest way possible. It's just, it's an interesting time. To say the least. Sherry, you're full of so much thoughtful, really solid and cool, calm advice. This is really wonderful. Um, I wonder if, you know, and I know, of course, none of us have a crystal ball, but looking ahead to when we do come out of this, what do you think some of the, the bigger consequences of this crisis will be? And I'm thinking here of, do you think retail will sort of gravitate to more of an online experience? Do you see that e-commerce just sort of getting a huge bump? Perhaps not now, because I think a lot of people just aren't spending, but when we come out, I mean, are there any other kind of medium to long-term consequences you see to this or that you would predict? just based on your conversations. I do think this will cause a lot of retailers who've been meaning to get to that project of improving their online presence, either working on that now or they'll make it a top priority when they come back. Having said that, I don't think there will be a huge uptick in luxury purchases online. It still will be a little bit like that click and mortar. Your online presence has to be robust, right? 85% of consumers start their shopping online and they should be able to access you and your business and they should be able to look at product and choose to either purchase it or put it in the car and then come in and see you. You know, the good news when it comes to luxury is worst case scenario from the big data companies is 80% of it will continue to be purchased in brick and mortar. And I think that's because we're human beings and we're social creatures. And it's not just about getting that product. It's about the experience and the human contact. And I think that will always be in the jewelry industry's favor. As far as the long-term effects, you know, I don't know. Obviously, I hope and pray. And if I shined up my crystal ball, I want to see a whole lot of revenge shopping <laughs> No doubt, <laughs> right? from all of us being cooped up because that would be a nice injection, right, for our economy. But we don't know. It's really hard. There's really no experts in this particular scenario because we've never been here before. All we can do is do as much research as we can and help our businesses to be sustainable to get to the other side of this and hope that they're in a position to then ramp up, whether that means there will be quick, fast business back to normal or whether that will be a ramp up period that you'll have to have some reserves for marketing. We just don't know. But the conversations that we have, all the advice I'm putting out there is think about what that looks like for you to get to the other side and then how you want to proceed. I will also say it is a real opportunity actually for a reset. If there's things you've been wanting to fix, if your culture's been wrong, if you've been tolerating some mediocre or toxic staff, it's an opportunity to really look at that full picture and make or think about some of those changes you want to make and where you want to be stronger when you come out, or at least come up with a plan of action for when we're on the other side of this. Yeah. Amen. I hope so. Yeah. Let me just say, Shara, first of all, I, I agree. I think people are going to get very, you know, one thing that we hear it may not be a, a, a switch that people just start to go back to work again. It might be a series of start and stops. There's a lot of different scenarios, obviously. But I think when this really clears up, I think people will want to shop and go out. I mean, how much Netflix can you watch? And, you know, even now, I, I, <laughs> we'll all be caught up. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to. Another Zoom window just makes me want to vomit. I can't stand it anymore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but on a more serious note, we know a lot of jewelers have been closing down over the last couple of years. It's not a secret. Are you worried this is going to accelerate that process that a lot of people aren't going to come out of this or just decide they've had enough? Oh, I'm an optimist by nature or pragmatist maybe is more accurate. You know, 
I don't know. And, and, and the reason I'm hesitant in how I respond to that is I actually believe for a long time that a little purging doesn't always hurt, if that makes sense. And that's not to wish ill on anybody. But, you know, when you have 20 stores within a certain mile radius, it makes it very tough, right? And then what do we end up doing? We all try to undercut each other in the prices and the margin, which means the business model isn't sustainable anyway. So I don't hope, but we have seen a decline if you've been tracking those numbers, Rob, right? We've been seeing a decline in the closures and we actually have been seeing a little bit of a net gain in the openings. But we we do want our independents to still be there. And I hope that they're doing the research, they're looking at their own situation and figuring out how do I get to the other side? There are tools at their disposal right now that could help them. And that's the good news. I hope it's not significantly impacted. I hope that if it's affecting so many businesses across the nation that we're going to be able to be there. And you mentioned resources. Any great resources that you would like to throw out? We have a resource page and all the associations have a resource page. Anything else that people should be looking at right now? Well, I've directed them to sites like the SBA and so forth. We put together a resource document, Department of Labor, you know, all these various links to point them in the right direction as well. We were just trying to make it easy and user-friendly for the average retailer to look and go, okay, I'm not sure what the laws are in the Department of Labor for my state. Let me just click on this link and go look it up or the SBA, what are the nuances? You know, do I have to be a personal guarantor? Well, the answer is no, but they might not know where to go. So we have some of those put together. I would say the SBA right now is probably one of the big ones, the Department of Labor, and then again, your CPA and your corporate attorney. Before you take any action that would potentially put you in a precarious position, you should run those things by them. It's their job to know the legalities. And if they utilize a payroll company, I can tell you the payroll companies stay on top of all these HR laws. So any last thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? Just try to keep yourself sustainable. Think of how you want to position yourself as a retailer when we come out on the other side and do what you have to do to be one of the ones standing on the other side. Thank you so much, Sherry. Stay well. Thanks again. And everybody listening, please hope you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Jewelry District. I'm Natalie Comet, the producer of the podcast. Our editor is Olivia Briley. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen. We hope you join us next time on The Jewelry District by JCK.